What's up, guys, people? I'm your host, Jay Will. This is Inspire Guys People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. And I have a guest today, the founder and CEO of Yakabod, and also the author, author of At Work As In Heaven, Mr. Scott Riser. How you doing today, Scott? I'm doing great, Jermaine. I'm looking forward to digging in with you. Man, I appreciate you, um, you know, jumping on and, and, and having this conversation, Scott. Um, like, you know, I told you uh, prior to recording, you know, I've looked and looked at a lot of your content. I think we got a lot of things in common. Um, so I'm looking forward to learning even more about you. And I think the audience is going to be able to um, grab a lot from your experience um, as a CEO. Like for if I'm not mistaken, what I was looking at 20 plus years. Let's just start right there. Has it been 20 <laughs> plus years since you started your yeah. business? I, I'm not so young anymore, Jermaine. <laughs> yeah, and well, a lot look, of this gray hair all came from the business, but you know, <laughs> praise God, here we are. <laughs> I can only I can only imagine, but like the first thing I was really thinking about, Scott, before we even like get into learning a little bit about you, I was just like thinking, like, man, like you have actually endured as a CEO um multiple recessions. And then recently a pandemic. And so like the first thing that came to my mind is like, how have you sustained that? Because I know like a lot of our listeners are either entrepreneurs or business professionals or aspiring um, for either of those. And like for a lot of people, just this one pandemic, you know, has kind of shaken up a lot. So how have you over the last 20 years of an economy changing uh, booms and busts and and different things that happened in the world, 9-11, like all type of tragedy, tragedies and things. How have you sustained a business for that long? And like, what advice would you give um, someone in business for, you know, who's just gone through a pandemic or maybe even starting a business on the back end of it? Yeah, so I, it's even worse than you're thinking, Jermaine, because I started right before the dot-com bust. Wow. And, you know, I, that was a long time ago. Right. But, you know, the whole dot com run and everything cratered right then. And I had started just right before that with and and honestly, I, you know, I talk about it in the book and and just to keep it brief, I I came to my faith later in life. And when I came to faith, like I knew like I'd gone to church on Sunday of my whole youth and never knew God. Right. So when I finally made the decision later in life that. You know, when he caused me to confront my spiritual condition, like I'm like, well, if this doesn't work on Tuesday, no reason for me to go to church on Sunday. Right. I got plenty else to do. So so when I made the decision to come to faith in my late 20s, I was all in. And that meant my Tuesday was all in, you know. And so, you know, I got busy trying to figure out how this stuff applied at work. And and so when I started the company to, you know, get to the chase here. I knew that the company had no chance of making it unless God was in it. And, and I had enough faith that if he was in it, it was going to work. Now, <laughs> if I knew now what I knew then, I mean, if I, yeah, if I knew then what I know now, yeah. right, I didn't realize how little I knew back then. So it's probably good I was so naive because that's the only way I actually had the faith to trust God. Because <laughs> if I, like I really that. knew, I probably would have scared myself out of it. You know what I mean? But I like that. I, I, you know, in his grace, we've navigated all these different cycles. And, and, I, you know, I'm not suggesting it's easy, but you start to see the pattern of God providing and 
and things are going well, then things blow up and it's out of your control. And yet God provides and you start to see that pattern over a long period of time. And you just get that much more peace as you push in with him. You said something that's like, like really deep there. Like you said that you were almost like speaking to the, like your naive nature of like, I was so naive that if I would have known now what I knew then I might've given up. So like, I'm just curious, just off of that yeah. thought, like, do you think there's some value sometimes in being a little naive, like not ignorant, right? Like not just yeah, like yeah. clueless, but like, is like, sometimes do we know too much is what I'm asking you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Sometimes you can talk yourself out of it when all you really need is some childlike faith, right? When you just need, and I was a child, <laughs> you know, not physically, but spiritually, right. I was a child back then, but I was all in. So I just had to make the decision to trust God. And, and that got tested right away, of course. Um, but like I said, you keep trusting. And But if I'd have known as much as I know now, you know, like I didn't even know the difference. I hardly knew the difference between sales and marketing back then. I, I hardly knew what we were selling even. Right. So <laughs> and somehow he sustained us. And that's the beauty of God's grace. Right. Like he he meets you where you are. And and if you're just taking little baby steps, well, that's OK. He's taking little baby steps with you. You know what I mean? He's not mad because you aren't running yet. So that's that's funny, Scott, like thinking about. So the difference between sales, marketing, business development, I actually heard mm -hmm. you speaking mm -hmm. about that. And it's funny because I've worked in all of those three um, fields in one way or another. And you are right. Like on the out from the outside looking in, they all can look the same. But when you are either running a business or working at a corporation, you understand that there are very specific um, responsibilities, skill sets. Mm -hmm. Uh, required to operate in each of those. And oftentimes as a CEO or entrepreneur, you find yourself working in all of those fields. So it's super important to kind of understand the difference. Now, Scott, I kind of jumped right into asking you about that, but let's just take a step back. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about Yakabah, which I know uh, means uh, the glory of God or God's okay. glory. Um, tell us a little bit about your business, which is the interesting thing to me is that it is um, you are in uh, software and security software, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, seems like some pretty high level stuff, to be honest. But can you just tell us, like, how does a security software company um, carry the name of God's glory? Like, make that connection for us for the people out there who are like, I don't get it. That's the big question, is it? Is it possible, right? Can, can you do a company for God's glory? And And that's the question I was pushing into. And, you know, I was just like I said childlike faith. I'm just going to put the name on the wall. And those are the days of Enron too, if you remember. And, and so I kind of called it my anti-Enron device, right? We'll just put it right out there to keep me, you know, focused on yeah. that instead of my own ego. Right. So, um, so we started out back then as a um, really a consulting company wanting to be a software company, um, much more consultative. And then uh, a mentor of mine introduced me to a mentor of another guy and we connected my business partner, Scott. He was a believer. He had software and no clients and I had clients in a consulting company, but no software. So in about 2003, we put that together and we got the intellectual property core, which was good, you know, because we weren't going to be able to bootstrap it. 
but it's been a long, slow process of us learning how to turn from a complex consultative solution sale, like a platform company, and how to turn, or an integrator, if you will, and how to turn that into a niche product company. And, and that's been a long process, but praise God, we've been able to bootstrap that the, the whole way and, and learn on our nickel instead of somebody else's. And, and so where we are now, we've ended up, we're purpose-built case management for security professionals. It's not just that the software is secure, it's specifically designed for security professionals like chief information security officers or insider threat teams or counter intel. And as crazy as the world is, that's more and more important in companies, you know, and government agencies these days. So. Got you. So your, your target audience kind of, it's interesting. It's in a very serious industry of the world, right? Very important <laughs> when you think about yeah. security and it sounds like you do, um, you know, you mentioned um, some government, um, things like that. Like, do you ever, does the name Yakaba, right? And knowing the meaning of it. And I know you, I'm assuming you get the question of lot of like, what does that mean? Does that ever come up from a client standpoint? Like, do your clients ever ask, or is it in that field? It just doesn't matter. And they're just kind of doing what they do. Well, if you remember when we started, like um, back then, I don't know how in touch you were with that market back then, but everybody was making up names to get domain names, right? It was the domain name land grab. And so everybody was making up names. So it wasn't unusual that I had this funny name. It's Got just it. that everybody, it was Persian word for surfer, dude. Like, Got you. great. I, you know, do Persian surf? Like, I, that's awesome, <laughs> you know, is, you know, but, but the, none of those were relevant to me. So it was, you know, I went Old Testament, you know, Yaqabad, uh, Kabad, the heavyweighty, mighty glory of God. And I was counseled by a lot of people back then that it was a really bad name because people would be turned off by the whole God thing. And, but again, I was just like, well, you know, I don't care. You know, it's, it's not going to work if he's not in it. So I'm not backing down from that. And, and now I learned over time to, you know, I don't like put it right in people's face, but everybody back then asked me, literally a hundred percent of people asked me now we're down to about maybe 50 or 60%. Okay. But yeah, I, still get asked, I still get asked all the time. And, um, and I just, you know, tell them and uh, employees know, again, we, you know, our employees aren't believers. So they, they know they can just deflect that to me as I don't know, you ought to look at the website or you ought to ask Scott, you know, but um, I love it. But I, usually I don't get, I, usually the reactions are fine. You know, even the ones that I've learned to soften it a little bit and, and say, yeah, you know, it means God's glory. And it just keeps us from focused on our own egos. And, you know, I'm not forcing them to make a faith decision or forcing my faith on them, but you know, look, I mean, where I'm coming from when you think about it, though, right? Like how many other company names mean something, right? Some yeah. whether it be, um, you know, some myth, some Greek mythology or other things yeah. like all type Nike, you know, all of these yeah. companies um, have some sort of background that is in the case of Nike in particular, because I, I read the book Shoe Dog and I've kind of understand and huh. learned the entire story about how that came about, like. A lot of times, like you as the founder and CEO, that is actually part of what you're doing when you create a company from scratch is that yeah. you are weaving in your beliefs and the fabric of who you yeah. are. Um, so it seems like sometimes people only have a problem with that when you're doing it from a Christian perspective. But um, I love it. I, and I also love the fact what I really like about the way um, and I don't know that you intentionally, you know, created it this way, but because the name Yakabat 
doesn't have anything that directly to do with your industry, it also creatively is just kind of like it's just there. Right. It leaves yeah. some room for either assumption or to ask a question, but it doesn't even conflict with any of the work you do. So I kind of I like that. It's yeah. it's, it's very. The subtle. other thing I've discovered is it's really sticky. People really remember it in a way I couldn't have predicted. But I think yeah. that's because Ichabod, everybody's heard of Ichabod Crane, you know, and in the Bible, Ichabod was one of Saul's sons, I believe. But it means no glory. The glory has departed. Got you it. know, and it was a tragic so people remember Ichabod and they hear Yakabod. And so, I, you know, it's kind of cool the way that's worked out. That is cool. So, like, can you tell us a little bit, Scott, about like, who are you growing up? What I'm interested in now is like, OK, how does how do you right? How did the younger you become the you today? Was it was it obvious? Like if anybody who knew you. Uh, growing up in high school or whatever it may be, met you today. Like, oh yeah, Scott, that that makes all the sense in the world what he's doing. Like, what was your reputation? Who were you growing up? Um, and, and and again, I'm curious. Like, did you become who you obviously seemed like you were on the path to becoming, or did you become something totally different? Um, I would suggest that the people that are connected with me on Facebook that are high, old high school friends, I, I would suggest they, you know, they would recognize, you know, it wouldn't seem terribly out of sorts. But but I, I will. And I grew up in small town, Ohio, like Midwestern Rust Belt. And okay. so I got a lot of great stuff out of there. The Midwestern work ethic, Corvette. I think, you know, you got the same thing. You're up in Michigan. You got the yeah. same thing going on there. You got the yep. loyalty to the community. The community was for you, not against you. But, but I'm, I'm sure you also remember, you know, the Rust Belt collapse, you know, and you're still dealing with uh, like we were already on the way down when I was in high school and we didn't know it yet. Got like it. it was still Mayberry. But but the steel plants were all closing down and the yeah. auto plants were right. And for sure. And and so there was all this goodness that came out of there. Um that gave me a good foundation. But let's face it, I you know, and this isn't unique. A lot of 16, 17, 18 year old boys are this way. I was way too much about me. <laughs> you know, the world right. revolved around me. And I could sure. see God was trying to, you know, work on me a little bit, but I didn't, you know, I was too busy with me. And, um, you know, that continued to my late 20s. So so that selfishness, that self-centeredness, uh, even selfish ambition, that, that God had to peel that off. Um, so I, like when I in high school, I was voted the class radical. <laughs> um, class you know, radical. I was always the one stirring, stirring up, you know, everybody at the football game or whatever. And and I can see now it's just that I didn't have an outlet for the thing, you know, God you know, God has put me in this position to help change the way people think over time. Ultimately, if you want to look at it, it's, it's an apostolic call to use a church word. You know, he's given me an apostolic kind of that. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I was trying to do it back then. I was just trying to do it without him. And so, you know, it just went in all kinds of weird directions. I always find that interesting when like elements of who we were yeah. are so much of even if they were misused. Right. A lot of times we have gifts. I was a class clown. So um, I, I would actually think that uh, probably most of my classmates would maybe mm -hmm. be surprised um, more so um, because I was on the path in everybody's mind of probably being a comedian. I was pretty outrageous in that regard. However, what I can tell you is that the funny thing is that like 
my job and my work now, even with this podcast, consists of a lot of um, meeting people, being being willing to reach mm -hmm. out, public speaking, right? And yeah. um, it's funny as a class clown, like you have to be willing to throw yourself out there. So I'm yeah. like, that's the fabric that I that I've kept. I'm still goofy and silly, and it comes out in this show at different times. But um, I think maybe at first glance, people might be like, hmm, like he's a little different um, than I thought. But it, it's still, I think um, it's also given you an authenticity. You're just you're just relaxed and natural interacting with people. And that probably comes from some of that, you know, from those class clown days. You learned how to be natural and authentic. You aren't performing. You're just being natural. You know, what's funny about the way you, like the fact that you called that out is like what a lot of people don't understand about being a class clown or I'm not going to speak for real comedians. But like it's really a service. Like when you when I was in high school, so much of it was about me taking joy in giving people laughter. And whether it was my yeah. teachers or my peers or, or whatever, I had a lot of teachers that were like a fan of my um, craziness. So, um, yeah, like you said, it's just kind of me being me. So that's pretty cool. Um, I want to ask you about like this entire um, idea of like a Christian business versus a kingdom business. I've heard you talk mm -hmm. about that a lot. And it's an intriguing dynamic to me in understanding the difference and specifically for our listeners, because so many folks are um, starting businesses or have businesses. And it's a challenge for a lot of people to figure out what is the healthy balance or the proper way to inject my Christianity in business. So can you kind of share what your perspective around that is? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's funny, Jermaine, because I wrote my book is like 300 pages long, right? It could have been longer. And yet it was just even after long after that's been published. And I address this a little bit in the book, but but it was just only about three weeks ago that God, God really gave me the succinct way to describe it. Right. <laughs> Which Love is it. funny. Um, so so early on when I was trying to figure out, can you build a company for God's glory? That was the question. And I, you know, and I knew it was about more than integrity and ethics, right? I know that's just table stakes, right? Of course, it's got to have that. Um, and and I wasn't sure what a Christian business was. I kept running into those, right? I, I kept running, you know, and, and I just wasn't sure what that meant. Is it because you only hire Christians? And I wasn't sure that's even legal, right? <laughs> um, it, yeah, you could do did it just mean the owner's a Christian? And well, what does that mean for the rest of the employees? Does it does it mean that you like I met one software company back then that was only building software for like churches and Christian organizations? Is is that what I mean? Is it you know that what it means? Only your customers are Christians? And and I just I was confused, like because a lot of the ones that I saw trying to do that were really they were trying to do church stuff and just map it into business. And that's because Christian as an adjective describes a person, right? And a yeah. collection of Christians is a church, not a business. <laughs> a business has an entirely different organizational structure and purpose than a church. And so you don't need the business to replicate church stuff. That's what the church is for. You know, that's why we have godly pastors and, you know, and, and women and men of faith that are equipped by God to do that thing. You know, business is a different thing. So, so, so trying to make the business look like a person, Christian, the adjective Christian, uh, describing a business, it just doesn't like it's confusing. And and eventually in my journey, God, you know, kind of expanded the questions. He moved me beyond this. Can a company bring, um, you know, glory to God? Like, 
it was a long period. I didn't know at first of what he was saying. I just knew I needed more of his presence. But eventually I came to understand he was saying, I no longer call you servant, but friend. You know, in other words, it was time to move beyond doing stuff for him and into doing stuff with him. And in that point, the question shifted. It no longer came became, can a company bring God glory? That's, that, that's servant and that's good. But the bigger question was, could I partner with him? at work every day. And then since he's playing by a different set of rules, things work different in his capital K kingdom. Could I make the company look more like his capital K kingdom? And just a couple of weeks ago, as I was sitting down to write a blog post, he said, well, that's because a Christian's a person, but a kingdom's a place. I'm like, oh, you're right. Makes sense. You can make the business, you can't make the business look like a person, but you can make the business look like a place. His capital K kingdom Right. So I love that. that that's that's it. I, and I can't take credit for that. Like, you can read 300 pages where I didn't get that yet. <laughs> yeah, no, that, it, it's funny, though. Like I, I, I kind of gotten that from you and like looking at a lot of your content, like you talk a lot about the questions um, that have evolved as you've grown as a, a CEO, as a leader um, and as a believer. Um, throughout time. And it seems like that's kind of how the Lord deals with you, like in in the form of like these progressing questions that cause yeah. you to go deeper. And like what I gather from that on this show, a lot of um, we talk about through the years, Scott, is that it's a process from episode one. Yeah, um, I'm really big on encouraging and inspiring the entrepreneurs and business professionals out there of like, don't try to do it all at once. Like, yeah, you got to crawl before you walk. You got to be willing to take that first step. So for you, as the questions have progressed, like how have you noticed that they change you? Like, do I'm assuming that the questions that are presented tend to change you. And how has that happened through the years? And are there new questions still like that the Lord is still dealing with you that you're still figuring out throughout this 20 year process right now as a leader? Yeah. Yeah. There's bigger questions ahead beyond what I can even push into right now with Yakabad. And I know what I'm doing next because he's already given me the questions. <laughs> Got and it. Clearly that I'm supposed to be pushing into that. Um, but but I think the biggest change, Jermaine, and you've probably recognized this in yourself, is you build this history with God. And in my case, as he shifted these questions, it, it, I just process things different. But like, you know, if we'd hit a cash flow crisis in year two of a company, if we would have, I, I'd have processed that one way, you know, but even just, you know, here we're 20 years in and well, I don't know, we were 18 years in at that point. And a couple of years ago, all our contracts blew up and it was nothing to do with us. We were performing great on all of them. Like one got shut down because we were too far ahead of the other teammates. Like who, like who does wow. this happen to, you know, wow. where we got penalized because we're the only ones performing. You know, wow. <laughs> and they all blew up like that. And all of a sudden, instead of wondering how we're going to hire six or eight or 10 more people, I'm wondering if we got six too many. And in and, and now I process that like the fear, the fear and panic because I can feel it trying to get on me. Right. It's real. I'm laying yeah. in bed in the middle of the night wondering if we're going to be in business. And, and and I can't you know, right now you and I talk and I, I could we could probably brainstorm and come up with. 25 scriptures that talk about God's provision, right? I'll be, yeah. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap nor store up in barns. Yeah, you're having the, right? We could go down the list. We could come up with a bunch and probably not pause. And the only one I could think of in the middle of the night there when this fear trying to get on me is, is 
the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, Psalm 23. I can't even remember the rest of Psalm 23. All I got is the first verse, but it says, I lack nothing. Yeah. And, and, and now I'm not processing it as a cash flow problem or a, this kind of problem, or how am I going to accelerate some payments or how are we going to cut some, ex- like I'm not processing it that way. I'm I'm right into, oh, I'm in a spiritual battle. Fear is trying to grab a foothold where there was peace. You know, I'm at the level of the spiritual battle. And I know that the only way I'm going to get to peace is to cling to God's promise. And then, you know, then I can process it. You know, and then I'm back to peace. It may take a couple of days, but then I can process it again. And that just speaks to the fact, right? Like to your point, like we, you, we are believers. There may be a hundred scriptures, um, but it's a blessing when there's that one, but we're all, we're still human as well. And that's why to me, the process is so important and understanding mm-hmm. like, you know, when you are in business or as a leader in business, it is such a journey. And, you know, the Bible says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. Yeah. And like the right. fact of the matter is sometimes I think, um, and this is, you know, kind of going back to the Christian versus kingdom business, I think sometimes when we try to look at the business as a person, um, we are not we are like maybe um, I don't want to say over spiritualizing it, but misusing the way that we're spiritualizing it because we are not understanding that, hey, that the Bible also says like there will be rain. Ecclesiastes three, there is a time for everything. So I think it's not as much as about telling ourselves that we won't have issues Um, as a kingdom business or as Christians and believers, but more so about like, what does the Lord, what has the Lord given us in his word to allow us to sustain during those times, like a Psalm 23. And, you know, I think that's the importance of, Hey, David saying "Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. The, the fact that the matter is when you're in business and when you're an entrepreneur, um, you need the Lord, like, exponentially in certain times of uncertainty. And I think nothing like the last couple of years has shown us that, right? Like there's been, there yeah. was so much division in the world, so many things going yeah. on. Um, I'm curious, just as a quick sidebar for you as a leader through the last couple of years in your organization, did you get a sense that the division of the outside world had crept into your organization at all? And how did you deal with that? If so, or were you all kind of shielded? I'm just curious how you manage that. Yeah, we've got a pretty, um, pretty uh, ideologically diverse team. You know, people think a lot of different stuff out of here, but we've had a pretty strong culture for a long time where people and, and that carried us for a little while into the pandemic. You know, when you start to lose some of that when everybody's on Zoom calls instead of hanging out in the space together, you know, but we were intentional and trying to, so we probably sustained it a little better, but even so our culture took a big hit. And, and just to riff a little bit on that previous story, I knew we were in a spiritual battle. And in that period, I said, all right, when I finally came back to peace, I said, all right, I know this is Satan punching. I'm going to punch back, you know? And so, so we're going to take the best way to fight a spiritual battle that I know when it's trying to put us into lack, and you've talked about the poverty mindset. We, yeah. we aren't going to go go approach with a poverty mindset. We're going to go fight back with gratitude and generosity. And, and not just me, but we're going to mentor our non-believing, broadly, religiously 
and or atheistically diverse team. And we're going to teach them. We're going to mentor them and, and bake generosity and gratitude into our culture. And we did. And I even explained to them we are in a spiritual battle in a graceful way that that a couple of the people who aren't believers came up to me afterwards and thanked me for it. So we had the team focused on gratitude and generosity. So, so to, to, to come back to where <laughs> your, your point here, that carried us for a while and, and it was genuine in our organization, but there came a time in the pandemic where it had gone on long enough and the lockdowns and the distance and remote work and all that, that some entitlement crept into a couple people that had never been there before. And we didn't see so much the ideological or political or any of those kinds of divisions, but we did start to see some, um, some entitlement creep in. And interestingly enough, so those people started leaving one by one. And if we'd have drawn a list of the, like, we weren't going to lay off. We told everybody, look, we're going to fight through this thing as long as we can. And our goal is to keep us all whole, you know, you know, if this is trying to give us a poverty mindset, instead, we're going to move forward in abundance. And we're trying to, we're not going to hunker down. We're going to invest in our future. And so, so if we'd have drawn that list though, just in case it was almost like God started picking them off from the bottom up. Got it. And then we think he went up. about one too far, one further than we would have gone. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, hold on, you Lord, know, that last one. <laughs> that, that last <laughs> one is like, hold on, we, we need it. We need it, Johnny. <laughs> uh, exactly. No, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And um, I just think, you know, what I love about that and, and really my purpose for even asking the question was like on this show in particular. And I, I'm really proud of this because it's all documented. People can go on Apple Podcasts and yeah. look, look at the date and listen and see how are we talking during that time? I'm a I'm a believer that um, being a leader is beyond a title. And that you you really look at what people did during certain times and think it's I've I've watched this Scott like I've watched people literally just like switch just over the last couple of years whatever the hot topic is now they're mm -hmm. they're identifying yeah. as this now they believe this and I, I'm yeah. a person that is you know I welcome diversity of thought as well but also appreciate people who are sincere and genuine even if I disagree with their thoughts but on this yeah. show we talked a lot about being united by faith and that was really what we were speaking. Um, during the most divisive times um, in our in our world. And I thought it was important as believers. Uh, you said something very interesting, like to welcome non-believers in, like you don't have to like shun people away. I think that's the cancel culture mindset is that yeah. if you disagree about anything, we have to push each other away, but more so to welcome people in and let's, let's be able to have that camaraderie and have those conversations. But you said it, I think, I think Zoom, in, in the distance, I'm seeing it as still in corporate America where that camaraderie is very hard to find right now because there's so much distance. But um, I want to I want to shift in, in a little bit and talk about like you talked about culture, um, which it sounds like you've built a good culture there, which is um, commendable. Yeah, we're having to rebuild it, to be fair. But, but OK, talk a little bit about that. Rebuilding it. Yeah. Talk a little bit about uh, just, that. Just, just in, you know, we've kind of gone back to hybrid where we've got people here two days a week, mandatory, and but you're welcome to be here every day. And we have many that are coming here every day or four days a week, and we've got some that are only here the two days that we require. But I think, uh, you know, there's this intentional, deliberate act of getting us in the same space again together. So we're hearing our stories. And so we're not just relating over the transaction. You can do the transaction over, like you and I could, 
you know, maybe I could start singing again. And I, I don't know. I know you're in the music somehow. I don't know what you're, <laughs> do you sing or do you play something? Uh, uh, I, I rap and act like I play the piano every now and then, yeah. but yeah, I come from a musical family. So you family, and I, so. if, if we could, we could collaborate and do a transaction over, like a project like that over For Zoom sure. or, you know, one of the recording, but, but, but that wouldn't mean we really know each other or have a, Right. And you can get started, but the, the real culture, the real embodiment of that thing, who you are as an organization comes because you spend time together in person and have those little random conversations that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Like, you I know, agree. you and I aren't just going to run into each other on Zoom and talk about my boys basketball game, you know, exactly. but by the coffee pot, we, we might. And that's a part of the culture, you know, knowing each other as real people and not just as the transaction. No, I love. So we're that. having to rebuild that, you know. No, I love and that. We're, we're having some progress, you know, and and everybody that's here genuinely wants to be here, and they appreciate what we have, and and they know we've got to be intentional. But you know, we're we're getting there. Yeah, and the world the world around us is changing and is mm -hmm. is challenging, right? Like it, you know, my interviews are virtual when I started yeah. this podcast and was envisioning building out a studio and having interviews. I was envisioning everyone actually being here and mm -hmm. um even and this is just me I'm, I'm going off the beaten path a little bit so bear with me but like yeah. just as you talk about the this world and i, I think it, it'll be valuable to the listeners to, to hear this is like for me i've even found myself still struggling through um in my in both my corporate job and my personal life because i've seen where friends and family have become lazy and mm. less intentional about spending time with with each other. And if I'm being honest, like it bothers me. It does because I don't think people are paying attention to it. I think we're, life is just going so fast that we're not stopping to say like, Hey, like two years ago, we used to see each other every month at least, or we used to do this or that. And I, I just think the, those couple years in the house um, really um, handicapped some folks in a way. So um, yeah, you, you hopefully bet. we can yeah, get back. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a price to pay for all the isolation we had for sure socially. Yeah. yeah. Um so so Scott, what about what about core values? Um mm -hmm. I've read again, I've I've looked at a lot of your content. I've heard you talk about core values and I'm, I I want to know like a how important are core values for um a kingdom business, any business really, but but mm -hmm. how important are they? And then like how did how did you go about developing your core values? Yeah, um, I got the opportunity to set the core values since I started the company. And then when I merged with my business partner, Scott, he like we wouldn't emerged if he wasn't all bought into the core values. And really, I sold his wife first, you know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you. but, but core, core values are core values are something that comes from inside. They're not th something you just put on the wall. So they've got to be authentic. Like if they don't come from inside and you already resonate with them, it doesn't matter what you put on the wall. You're not going to live them out. Right. So I, I knew that. And so they were authentic. And then we learned early on how to hire against the core values so that, you know, and that's how we manage this broad ideological spectrum. You know, these are the things we're going to come together on. You know, you don't have to share my faith, but 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 we're going to operate in integrity. You know, we're going to grace is a core value of our organization. We're not going to jump to the bad conclusion 
about somebody. We're, we're going we're gonna to treat them as though they're a child of God and we're going to you know, give them the respect that lineage affords, right? So, so these are core values that, that we, all, we interview them. They don't know they're getting interviewed against them. Uh, maybe some people figure it out. But you know, we actually interview against them without using the word <laughs> and to make sure that there's some resonance there. We hire and we fire on them. You know, the few times we've had to fire, it's been core value issues. So they are real and and they're important for everybody, but especially entrepreneurs, since that's some of your audience. I work with some of the local entrepreneurs here in the, um, you know, in the, the local community. And that's uh, like there's one guy came to me advice. He is getting ready to hire a second, third person. And I, I said, dude, I, I mean, yeah, I understand you need to do that. But before you do any of that, you need to hire your core values. I mean, uh, define your core values, because if you don't have those defined and you go hire three people and those are critical hires at this early stage, you you might have hired people who you you don't want to work with a, a year from now because be, because they don't share your core values, you know, that they want to go in a totally different direction than you. And, and so it's that important that, that it ought to be the first thing you do. And, it, and if you're a leader and you come into a new organization and, and, and you know, it's a pre-existing and, and you, can, you can define the core values, but it's going to take you a longer process to, you know, it's going to be through attrition, really, that they get implemented. So, so it almost sounds like you need core values to even establish authentic culture. Right. Yeah, would I, say, I right? would suggest so. Yeah, I would suggest that 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 culture derives. It's an expression of your core values. I agree with that. And I think, you know, the struggle that some folks have of like not understanding, like and that's why we're talking about this to share, like it's so important because you could find yourself otherwise like hiring folks that don't align with these core values that you haven't established. But but authentic core value, like genuine core values is really about you finding a way to express what's already there, right? It's, it's who yeah. you are, it's what you believe, the principles, but taking the time to shape them. And otherwise, you're going to find yourself spending a lot of time um, with the wrong folks. I heard you tell a story about a, um, an early hire that um, the wrong hire, can it cost you, uh, is it 20 years of, of uh, the, the it's salary? 20x. Or, or 20, 20x 20 annual salary. Yeah, I didn't come up with that stat. It's a guy, top grading, uh, wrote a book, top grading a while back, really good guide on hiring. And, and we supplemented that with some core values, you know, interview stuff. But his research showed 20, if you hire the wrong person, it costs you 20 times. You know, so. When you think about how important that's that pretty is, incredible. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that. that's pretty crazy. Like, but to your point, like, yeah, it's because like, if a person comes in and does a bad job, it, it's year over year. It, it's like, yeah. Uh, in in the industry I work in, there are um, times that folks have um, come into, let's use Detroit, the city of Detroit. Um, I managed yeah. the the city, you know, where I'm from for a while. And um, a lot of the deals and negotiation we were doing, like there was one person that went there at one point in time and did all of these very um, expensive deals. And I mean, I'm literally talking 10, 15 years later, like we we're still, I can't speak to it now. It's been a few years since I managed in that area, but I mean, we were still like hurting because we were overlapping yeah. these deals because what happens is you set precedent. And, and that is, I think as an entrepreneur and business person, you're really trying to as best you can set a, a healthy and good precedent. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, right. and you can't, 
because core values come from inside, you can't discipline or manage around those, right? You can try and put incentives in place, but you can't, you know, if, if excellence is our core value and, and, and you're, you're okay with just good enough, I want to get to happy hour because it's Friday, you know, yep. right? And, and that's all, like, I want you to go to happy hour too. That's fine, but not until your thing is excellent, right? right? So yeah. you got to care enough that it's excellent. And, and if that's not your core value, we can't discipline around that. We can put some, we can counsel you. We can say, hey, you got to be careful. But ultimately, if you don't care, you don't care. And it's never going to get any better. And we, we too have found issues in our code base that were, you know, from some guy we hired, you know, 14 years ago before we really had the, the hiring process perfected around our core values. You know, you're like, oh, we're still paying for that one. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it, whether small or large ways, most of us have probably been there. Yeah. Um, I, I love that that whole idea of establishing culture, establishing core values. And I think that is, I would assume, is part of how you've had some longevity with your business as well. Um, I do want to transition and talk a little bit about your book, um, At Work mm -hmm. As In Heaven. And I know that we've likely, um, I haven't read it yet. I'm looking forward to getting, uh, receiving my your copy. copy's on the way. All yeah, right, I'm looking, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm assuming we've probably touched on some of the, the ideas and principles that are in the book, but can you just take some time to tell us a little bit about the book, like why you wrote it, As Work As In Heaven, I love the title. Um, just kind of tell us a little bit about the premise of the book and, and what you're looking to accomplish with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I never dreamed of being an author, uh, Jermaine. I always wanted to be a rock star, right? So it wasn't <laughs> like this isn't a new career for me or something. I've still got my day job and I love it. You know, so um, it's more about I just it became apparent God was putting the call on my heart that I needed to get the message out. I, I felt on an island for a very long time pushing into these questions. Like I'd talk to my church friends about, you know, like this faith at work and, you know, a better matter on Tuesday and nobody could tell me how to do it. In fact, a lot of my friends just look at me like I was crazy. You know, it kind of wrapped up in the church you know world instead of how does this work on Tuesday? So, so eventually I, I you know, God kept you know, kind of poking on me. I knew it was time to, I needed to actually write it down. And then, and then it was interesting because once I started writing, I could, you know, I could feel him with, with me as I was, especially when I did the rewrite, you know, the editors thought it was done and I thought it was done and it was just taking a pass through for little tippy typey, you know, kind of stuff. And I was a total restructure and like not a lot of new content, but new order, new string it together in a different way. And I, I knew he was behind all that. So, um, so, so it's really just about getting the message out, the series of questions that we kind of talked about in, in the, that, that next one after, can you partner with God? And then, then if you are, his things work different in his kingdom. And can you make a company look more like his kingdom? And that's what the book is about really is this journey at work as in heaven, his kingdom come, his will be done at work as in heaven, you know, in Detroit, I, I as in heaven, you know? <laughs> In Frederick, wherever Maryland, you are, as in heaven, right? It's on Earth, and and Earth includes my company. It includes your studio. It right. So, what he wants his like, kingdom there. What I like, Scott. Um, I, I wrote it down. You had described on the website on the book. This is not a book about why you'd want to live out your faith in a workplace, but how. Yeah. I love that because, and this is just me, my opinion. I think there are. 
so many um, whys and what's floating around in social media world. And we're just kind of spewing out our opinions. And a lot of time, no one is actually telling you like, well, how do you do that? It's, it's like, yeah. if you if you make a good point, like, hey, we should live out our faith in the workplace. Oh, it's like, okay, that may be the what we should be doing. Um, and you can even tell me why we should be doing it. But I feel like the how is the connection um, to, to a lifestyle change. Like understanding yeah. how to do things is what actually um, activates our faith, if you will. Like, hey, we have faith, but in order for it to turn into work and, and to be progressive is, is that that how. So I'm just curious, like with that particular portion, what was your thinking when you specifically called out that this is about the how and, and, and why was that important to you to call out? Yeah, because that's the part I was always missing, you know, the how. Um, and the other thing, let's be clear, the, the book is not about my company. The, the company is the lab in which God taught me all these things. But I've also read some books in the past where, oh, this is, and I'm sure the authors were well-meaning, and but it's our company and we did it this way and they're focused on process and policies and all that kind of stuff, business practices. And that's okay. But, but you'll see this, the, the how that comes out about work as in heaven is something different. It's not, you don't do it because this is the way we did it. I'm not suggesting that. What yeah. I'm trying to do is show you how I pushed in with a relationship with God and he unfolded it that way in this place. You push into a relationship with God. And if you get nothing out of the book other than, hey, he really wants me to talk to him about this and you push in with him, it's going to look different in your company because your company or your area of influence, you know, because it's he's probably got a different purpose and you're in a different set of circumstances. You may be more overt where I'm or covert, not more overt or, you know, there's a whole spectrum of the way God can play this out. But the point of that work is in heaven is that starts with partnering with him. And how do you do that? Well, I'm, I'll share. There's a whole bunch of stories in there on how I did it. And hopefully that'll help you as you do it. You'll see it's not that hard. Yeah. And <laughs> that, that's, a key, him. Yeah. that's a key point, Scott, because I think sometimes we make the mistake, too, of like copying and pasting. It's like, yeah. oh, this person said like Scott said it took him three years and, and this happened. So it's going to take me three years. And it's like, no, there are some principles and some fundamentals that we are sh should be taking. And that's why I love business principles in general. And I'm sure this yeah. book can relate to whether a person is a believer or not. Um, again, it rains on the just as well as the unjust. Yeah, I think that's the importance of what you describe as a kingdom company and kingdom business is that, you know, it, it doesn't mean it's limited by the four walls of the church. It definitely comes from, is birthed from and applies to um, and carries that with pride, but also someone who's you know starting to lemonade stand in their neighborhood and and they're not a believer they can also i'm sure grab something from those principles yeah that and that that what you just said there and you had said it earlier too is kind of revolutionized you'll see that's part of the book i revolution by revolutionized my approach <laughs> to evangelism oh, like I, and you could never once i was in i was all in and you know, like I'd preach from stage with my band when I was in a band, like I, my license plates say, praise God, you know, so it's not like I'm afraid of, I, I'll, I, I'll go on the street corner right now, if that's what God's telling me to, I'm not shy about, but he's also taught me how to, you know, sometimes I just need to make it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
that it's just giving somebody a taste of his goodness without thumping them over the head. And that goodness leads to repentance. His kindness is designed to lead to repentance. And, and I've been able to, that's a lot of how I can apply that here with a, a group of people that a lot of them, at least yet, have no interest in faith. And yet they're tasting God's goodness and they know it. They know they're tasting God's goodness. And now it's Holy Spirit's job to, you know, and if I need to talk to him, I'll talk to him because he's opened the door. But, you know, right. I didn't have to say a word to show him his goodness. That's important because I think it's important for us to to know our role and like not feel like we have to manipulate or be forceful. And I'm really I think just the nature of the world today with all the things going on, I don't even have to say what they are. But like there's so much force in do what I'm doing because I said I'm doing it and believe what I believe because I'm right. And it has really allowed me to see the importance as believers of what that could potentially feel like if we're forcing Jesus, forcing yeah. our beliefs on people, you should share. And like you said, it's not about being shy. I mean, my show is called Inspire God's People. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was very yeah, I know intentional. you understand me there. <laughs> yeah, very intentional about that. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of revelation I had as it related to like business principles because again, I've worked in a Fortune 50 organization for now 16 years. Um, you know, three days before I graduated college, I started at this organization wow. and th yeah, through those 16 years. I've had eight jobs. So on average, every two years, I've, I've worked my way up from the very bottom of entry level to where I am now and still growing my career. What the Lord allowed me to see through that and the company I work for, again, just look up the Fortune 50 is one of those 50. It has nothing to do with God at all. But the principles of business are so revolutionary to me. When you read the Bible, you realize that non-believers leverage biblical principles in business yeah. more than believers. And yeah. that's how they become yeah, that's, successful. That's that servant, servant and friend kind of stage, right? You can you can operate at that servant level and definitely produce value. God designed the principles that way, right? So you can follow it, but how much more power is it when you're not just naturally applying principles, but you are also adding the supernatural layer where God does things that only he can do, where God tells you things that only he knows, right? It just, so there's nothing wrong with taking that step, but just some principles. That's awesome. That's why he put them there. Yep. But, but then there's a point to go beyond servant and into friend. And I'm curious what your experience has been in that big company of you, because God calls us all to different places on the spectrum, Jermaine, you know, some are supposed to be covert and some are supposed to be more overt. And like, where do you feel like he's had, has that shifted in the different jobs? How, yeah, how did, what's your experience? Have they been hostile to your faith? What, what's your yeah, experience? It's, it's, it's very interesting. This is a very interesting uh, question, Scott, that no one has ever asked me. No one has ever asked mm. me this question. But I, you know, you something that you have actually thought about, but no mm. one has actually asked you so that you can try to explain it or express yeah. it outwardly. This is one of those things. So for me, um, I would say that I have definitely been more covert. Mm -hmm. um, however, what's interesting is the way the Lord has operated is that, again, I come from a very musical family the things that I do are very public. So it's almost interesting how covert it is. Now, some of that, let me just say this, is because even before COVID and the pandemic, I have worked in a hybrid um, hybrid nature my entire career. I've never mm -hmm. worked in an office ever. 
until my home office the last couple of years. So I work at an organization where we're out meeting with customers and clients and traveling. And so I work with different individuals across the country and sometimes that's been across the state. My point is I've never really worked in an office setting where you're going to mm -hmm. the same place with the same people every day. So it is a very different world where you may see this person three times this year. So the last thing I'm going to do is walk in when I see you and say, hey, like, do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right? <laughs> yeah. but, but what has happened, uh, Scott, that's interesting is what the Lord has done is strategically allow certain people to pull back the layer and either discover. Some folks have found my podcast. I've never said anything. Some mm -hmm. folks have ended up at a church service I was at. I've never said yeah. it. Right. And so those folks tend to then start reaching out more and we build a real relationship. So through the years, in all honesty, like I don't have a lot of personal relationships in in my corporate life. Um, but through the years, there's maybe one a year that develops. Right. One. Um, it's almost like quality over quantity where the people that know me, they really know me. They really know what I'm about and what I stand for. Um, so yeah, it's, that's, that's something I'm sure I, there's I think more it's I have an, to say about that. It, it's an interesting effect that you just pointed out that when they discover you're kind of like a magnet mm -hmm. and, and this is kind of why I had to write the book and why you're doing the podcast is because there's a whole lot of people in that in fortune 50 company, there's probably thousands of believers, if not, you know, tens For of sure. thousands scattered throughout that company that just don't their pastor. And I'm not knocking God loves the church, but their pastor hasn't equipped them, you know, to hasn't equipped the saints, for the works of service to, to that, that they know how to go into the workplace and carry their faith as part of them in some place on that spectrum, you know, of covert to overt. And, and so when somebody, so they're frustrated too. They don't know how either. And and so they, they find your podcast and you're like a magnet because, oh my goodness, like, you know, you might, you might've been, they might've been working with you for five years and only finally figured out. Right. And, and, and there's, there's plenty of people in the organization where they're sitting next to somebody who's a believer, but they've been, they don't know how, you know, they just don't know yeah. how. And I could tell and, you, so this. there's a hunger. Yeah. I, I'm never surprised. This is the beauty of it. Right. I'm never actually surprised when I found out the people who are believers are believers. Hmm. And what I mean by that is like, you know, these are people through their character. I I would have guessed it easily. Right. Yeah. Like they, they, it's not that they are at work and even myself that no one has actually ever act surprised that I was a believer. So it's not like you're hiding anything, but a lot yeah. of times what happens is in, in a corporate setting or in, in the world at large, right. Some people are just thinking, hey, this is Scott's a nice guy, man. He's cool as heck. Like, what is it about him? And that's what that may be why people find the podcast or whatever it is. I don't know. Sometimes people are like, what is it about this person? And I do think as believers and you said it earlier, like God uses us all differently. So I'm not suggesting that everyone should be like me at all. I'm in a very unique situation where also I'm able because now I'm I can, I've walked in a world and they've seen me in that world. It actually brings credibility when I start talking about faith in business, because there are folks that have done, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, business partnerships with me. They've seen me in that world. So like we've yeah. negotiated those type of things, not my multi-million dollars. Right. But, you know, working at a large yeah. organization. So, um, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. But um, I, I've all I've always found that those relationships go deeper 
Um, they're not surface relationships once people discover that. So, um, no, thank you for asking that. Um, before I yeah. let you go, um, before I will let you go, I, I want to ask you just one question around how do you define success? So as, you know, um, you know, a CEO and a leader, I understand that the world has their standard of what success looks like. I'm sure for us all, there's a lot of pressure to live up to whatever, whatever that is. And in some cases, it's just factual. It's black and white, right? The, the lease is either paid or is not paid on the building. Um, <laughs> but as, as a believer, as a leader, a CEO, how do you balance that? I think a lot of entrepreneurs, Christian entrepreneurs out there struggle with like wanting to be the most successful and sometimes the things that I don't take to reach that level versus being content with where God wants me, but also wanting to press for the best and, and you know, reach uh, the height of what his will for my life is. So so what advice and, and would you give and how do you view um, and manage through success? Yeah, there's a lot of nuance to that question. It, it, <laughs> it I is. Know I know it's a simple question that ought to have a simple definition. Um, so I'll, I'll try and I'll try and summarize this the best I can. And, and often Jesus, you know, there was two sides of the same coin and their intention, you know, and they're, they're, they're both together, but, you know, but their intention. And and so there's one part of this that really if, if like when we started, you know, of course, we like everybody else in that era, you know, we're going to get a bunch of eyeballs and, and then we're going to be dot com quadrillionaires. Right. Or, or, you, do you remember that nonsense? Yeah, I, right? I was I was young, yeah. but but I yeah I, I was a, I was alive, so I I, I definitely yeah. know. I was a teenager. I know about it. Yeah. So so you know, and clearly that didn't happen. And as and as time went on, and the expectations got more realistic. I mean, I don't think if me or my business partner Scott would have looked back on it from where we are now, I don't think we'd ever imagine that we'd have been blessed as we have been and that we're and we're 20 years in we're still we're a tech company that's 20 years old that doesn't happen very often right that typically obsolescence and we're just our best days are ahead we're just really coming into all that we've been dreaming about for 20 years so so there's this part of it of wow look how far god has brought us and if i really sit down and you know like how many families have gone home happy instead of kicking the dog and yelling at the wife and how much money have they poured into their local economies and their communities and how much have we given into the local economy and to local charities and, and good works. And, and I look at all that, and I'm like, wow, I'd have never imagined. And then on the other side of that coin, there's this kind of, I had a mentor call it the holy discomfort that we are not where we want to be. You know, we're 20 years in and we're still a fairly modest sized company. We're, you know, about 30 people. And, and the other side of that coin is we'd have expected, you know, we'd have been 500 people or a thousand people by now with, with linearly exploding revenues because we're a product company. Um, but you know what I think is going on? Well, I know there's a lot of stuff going on and some of it's been the enemy trying to steal and kill and destroy and, and God's going to take care of that. Um, but I think there's this other part of it that real success in my case personally outside the business is God has had me focused on pushing into kingdom business. Like, and it's a lot easier to learn that and, and respond to it and pivot and listen to them when you're 30 people than when you're faced with the demands of being 500 people. It's almost like he's kept us 
In fact, I had this prophetic word at a, and I'm not in a prophetic church culture, so God has to work to get me a prophetic <laughs> word. word. I you know, I'm doing I a understand. conference and somebody, hey, <sighs> you know, and I know it's the spirit talking because it, you know, res- and they, they said, man, I see God. It's like God planted you in this, and they didn't know me from Adam. They just, I see God planted you like a tree in a container and, you know, carefully tended it and watered it and let it get solid and put its roots deep. And now he's taking it and planting it in the field outside of the pot where it can grow big. And that was a bit, the guy knew nothing about me or the company. And, and it was a beautiful picture of what I think has been so, so in that case, success has been getting a handle on kingdom business so that I can help share that with other people so that they can do it too. You know, so I love it. So there's a lot of nuance to that question. No, but look, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Scott. Um, This was, was, I enjoyed talking to you. I'm definitely looking forward to um, reading a book um, and would love, you know, keep in touch. I'll be praying for you and your business as you, as you continue to grow. And I I love your content, Um, you know, for everyone listening, um, your website um, at work as in heaven.com will be in the description um, of the bio. I also put the Instagram links and things like that. So if you want to get in touch with Scott, just check the description um, of the show or just go to at work as in heaven.com. Um, and Scott, like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Um, and Yakaba, I, I love that name. I, I feel like I'm just going to be <laughs> randomly saying that. And that's not a bad thing because that's the glory of God. Yeah. So, well, I uh, thank you too for reaching out, Jermaine. Cause like I said, I haven't had the chance to, I'm hitting subscribe button on the podcast and I'm going to start <laughs> listening to it regularly. But, but I, the, the content of yours that I was able to go back, I immediately played one of your clips for my son. Cause I, you need uh, to listen to what Jermaine says here, man, <laughs> check this out. That's cool. <laughs> and, uh, and so and it's good. You, you're doing great stuff, man. So I look forward to being connected here thank with you. Scott. And uh, may, maybe we'll get off of zoom or, stream yard or whatever and we'll get yeah. to have a real cup of coffee together sometimes I, w- I would love to do that so yeah. let's let's make that happen one day yeah All i'll right. let you i'll let you know the next time i'm uh where you're at in maryland you said beautiful historic downtown frederick maryland uh i'm not sure how far i was from frederick i was in gaithersburg a couple weeks ago yeah actually. you were just up the beltway yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah, see, you, were, yeah I, you were I, I 20 come, minutes from here see i come down that way sometimes so when my business travels i'll let you know if i find myself back down right, you contact me we'll, we'll get together lunch on me we'll do all right or coffee yeah <laughs> all, all right, right man all right see you scott bye yeah bless you jermaine yeah yeah